Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. You have all made it to the dance. You have all made it, made it, Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 135. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And wow, what a long and difficult road it has been to get to fresh content once again. My goodness. So we had a solo app a couple of weeks ago, and I gave you the download of everything that's going on with me. Uh, screwing up my back, having numbness in my foot, sciatic nerve pain. It's all been just a real hoot. And on top of that, I ended up traveling a little bit, went to Portland, Oregon. Uh, it was a fantastic time. I've had this trip on the books for a while. But I have this like leg brace that I have to wear. And so I'm walking around the city wearing this thing. It's pretty uncomfortable. I mean, it's like hard plastic. So making steps and, you know, in a city that's very walkable, not the greatest thing. Um, additionally, I've had an x-ray, uh, I'm going to get an MRI surgery might be on the table for me. I'm certainly not looking forward to that. I hope that's not the case, but, uh, we'll find out on top of everything else. Uh, I've been dealing with a nasty cold. And if you have a child at home, you know that you're pretty much sick all the time. And this could not have hit at a worse possible time. I was planning on having an episode next week to uh, plug my episode of Devil's Advocate with John Caldera. He was nice enough to have me on. It aired on uh, PBS, the local PBS station, Channel 12 here, at 8.30 on Friday night. I wasn't even in town to see it. I still haven't seen it. I need to sit down and watch it. Maybe I'll do that next year. But on top of everything else, I've just been sick as a dog. It's kind of been the bare minimum for me. This is not, as Deadpool would say, maximum effort. It's been challenging, and... As a case in point, I have had this episode recorded and done and in the can now for over a month, but I haven't had time to put it together. I haven't had the bandwidth to do it until finally this week. So episode 135 features Grape Expectations. Kate, Matt, and John King are the co-owners of Grape Expectations. They keep it in the family. Grape Expectations here in Park Hill, my hood. That's right, my backyard. And this is my liquor store. I love this place. I mean... I like to drink. Who doesn't? The service and the selection there are exquisite. It's one of my favorite places to go. I don't know if this is good or bad, but Grace knows them. They say hi to her. Uh, You know, sometimes they'll give her a lollipop. And they always have something new. As a craft beer geek, that's important because that's what craft beer has become. It's a lot of trend chasing. It's a lot of, hey, what's the newest stuff? And their staff, I'd like to give a shout out in particular to Travis and Joe, I talked to them quite a bit. Uh, their counsel is is very, very good. Those guys know beer. Uh, but their selection of craft spirits and their knowledge of wines is outrageous. So on this week's episode, think of this as like a liquor store 101. It's everything you could ever want to know about a liquor store. We talk about the advent of Sunday sales. that came out uh, almost a decade ago. We talk about the new legislation about... Grocery stores getting to sell beer and wine and liquor. We also talk about things that they're burned out on. They have to taste probably 50 wines a week. Now, you think about a wine tasting, you probably think about something that is fun, right? Something you do in your leisure time. It's great. For them, that's their job. So it's got to be hard not to burn out on it. We also talk about the trends that they see coming. What's the next thing that's going to pop? Right now, rosé all day, right? Rosé all day. And rosé is very hot now. What's coming next? You might also be interested in what's the alcohol kryptonite of people who work in a liquor store. Alcohol kryptonite, one of my favorite topics. What did you burn out on? What can you hardly even smell? What can you not be around because you either drank too much of it or had a bad experience with it? So you own a liquor store, what's your alcohol kryptonite? It's a fantastically insightful episode. And one thing that was pretty tremendously 
amusing to me was when John, who is the patriarch of this family, referred to the constant evolution of craft brewing and all the new trends and all the new beers and keeping up with that. He refers to it as, as a huge pain in the ass. And I thought, that's really funny. His candor in this episode is just terrific, and it's really refreshing. It's always fun when someone is not afraid to just be super blunt with me. It's like, so check out the companion blog piece, All the Ways to Keep Up with Grape Expectations. That's at johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N-of-alltrades.us. As a reminder, you can download this episode and get a subscription to the John of All Trades podcast, your 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Podcast at iTunes and Stitcher. Just hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will get downloaded into your inbox. Facebook is the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Mondays. That is facebook.com slash J-O-A-T-Pod. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. And in this case, our brand new episode is Grape Expectations. They are a liquor store located here in Park Hill. They're at 2270 Kearney Street. And uh, let's learn a little bit more about working in a liquor store. You know you've always wanted to. You go to liquor stores regularly if you're anything like me, and this is my favorite one. So, episode 135. Kate, Matt, and John King from Grape Expectations begins right now. Yeah, if they want to order, they have to come during business hours. Okay. Around for them. Okay, good. Yeah, you're not uh, you're not doing it outside of business hours, of course. Not usually, no. Okay, so we're sitting here in Grape Expectations with Kate, Matt, and John King, and you all are what should I call you? The head honchos, Grape Expectations. All the owners. You're all the owners. Yes. And how long has Grape Expectations been around? Uh, Eighteen years since January two thousand. Wow. That's a hell of a run, and I'll bet the – does the industry look much different now than it did then? Yes. <laughs> In what way? Well, the biggest way is with the law that they passed last year mm. allowing for more licenses and grocery stores. Right. I was going to ask about that. Um, how is that impact going to be felt here? Because, you know, we're – no one's ever far from a grocery store. But with the way the law is written, in terms of if grocery stores want to sell, don't they have to acquire licenses uh, of stores within a certain radius? Yes. Okay. So how, how is that impacting you guys, and how are you prepping for that? I don't know if it's impacted us as negatively as we thought it might. We're a little bit removed, not being near a grocery store. Right, you're not like in the same complex, not in the same parking lot. Right. And Even if we were, grocery stores would never, ever carry the same kinds of things that we have. Okay. So we tried to specialize more in the craft spirits, the craft beers, and the wines that you don't see on every other shelf. Okay. Whereas a grocery store, just because of their sort of economy of scale, is going to focus more on the macro brands. Is that fair to say? They'll probably carry the top couple hundred SKUs. Okay, SKUs. Can Stock you Stock keeping units. That that's like an inventory type thing, right? Yes. Okay. So I mean, you're you're talking about your sort of Budweisers of the world and your Yellowtails and that kind of thing. The mainstream things. Yeah. Okay. Now you asked before about the number of suppliers that we have, and one reason why we have to deal with that many suppliers is because of our selection. So yeah, keeping up the selection that you guys have, because it bears mention. That I'm a regular customer here and have been since I've lived in the neighborhood. I mean, you guys see me fairly frequently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a loyalty program, which is just fantastic. Is that a differentiator for you as well? That does set us apart from other stores. I think it's also our staff. Yeah. I think our staff likes what they do. They like to drink so they can help you, you know, find things that you want to drink also. Right. And, I mean, the the cool thing is it's... To me, it's almost like uh, a record store type culture where it's like, oh, you're into this. Let, you might want to try this. You might be interested in this. There's like a thread there that you can pull. Right. And they can help you like go in directions that you may not have thought of. Correct. Yeah. That's right. That's what we do all the time. Okay. Uh, is it challenging to cultivate talent in that way? Or do, do people sort of know the store first, and then they're like, that's the kind of vibe I want to be a part of. I think we have it both ways. We've seen it where we've hired people that have had a passion and an interest in it, 
And then we also have attracted staff members that have been working in the industry or at least interested enough that, yeah, I think it's it's gone both ways. Okay. So, I mean, these are things that set you apart, and uh, they're among the reasons why I keep coming back, which is really fantastic. In terms of the grocery store sales, does that make you guys nervous? Uh, maybe a little bit. At first, maybe, but no. No? I'm not afraid of competition. Yeah? Uh, what you've seen us add is um, uh, some more food products so that we can be kind of that convenience factor is right. built, now built in. You want to grab, you know, a bag of popcorn or some cheese and crackers for your weekend plans. We've, we've got you covered. Right. Is that sort of um, part of the plan where, like, you add – are you strategic in the brands that you decide to carry? Yes, very, very much so. But it's funny because I know that there's been talk in this state forever about adding – you know, beer, wine, liquor sales to grocery stores and liquor stores have sort of fought against that for a long time. And now that it's here, it'll be interesting to see what the impact of that is. I, you know, I don't know. I, I've always sort of leaned towards supporting the smaller independent businesses. So I don't know that my shopping habits will change, but you know, who knows how people will, uh, going back a little bit. One of the other things that was a change in the industry was Sunday sales. Right? I mean, that came about in, what, 2008 or so? Yeah, almost 10 years now. Okay. Well, when that was discussed, we were against it. One reason was because we wanted to keep having a day off. Oh, sure, yeah. But we uh, did it, and we were actually surprised because it it made things better. We thought it was just going to shift the numbers around, but it's, it's actually added some numbers. Oh, really? So yes. I know one of the concerns was that Saturday was traditionally, because Sunday liquor stores were closed, Saturday was traditionally a big sales day, and people were worried that, that some of that was going to shift into Sunday. Is that what you're describing? We didn't see that happen. Okay. We thought it would, but it didn't. Well, you've got Sunday football. Right. You've got Jazz in the Park for us. So we actually, it's, it's created business and, and added volume. Wow. Yeah, it's actually a, a busier day than Monday generally tends to be. It just uh, you know, think about like car dealerships. If uh, I don't know if they're still closed on Sundays, but they are. Yeah, they are. But uh, when people are actually are available to shop for things, you, it makes sense to be open. We don't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, I remember I was in college. I went to college up at CSU, and uh, we ran out of beer on Sunday, and it was Super Bowl Sunday, so we actually drove to Wyoming. And uh, that that was kind of a weird thing. So I know some of my friends went to Fort Lewis down in Durango, and they drove to New Mexico to get it on Sunday. So, no, I mean, it makes perfect sense. We're, been, we're keeping more of business in Colorado now as a result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, ultimately, that's a good thing. So tell me about how uh, – can you share sort of the origin story of this shop, how you guys got started? Sure. Um, so my dad's been in the industry for – our dad's been in the industry for over 45 years. Wow. And uh, he had always wanted to own his own store. And I think what sets him apart as a business owner is that he he treats his staff well, he treats the vendors well, and it's um, – I think it shows – so, yeah, he, he, he has set himself up apart from a lot of the other business owners that he used to work for. Oh, the name came to me in a dream. Grape Expectations? Yes. Well, we started out right around the corner down on, on 22nd in right. a shop that was about as small as our core is. Like down by where Oblio's is now? It's Next Oblio's Bar. Oblio's. It okay. was where Oblio's Bar is was our store. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> And we were there for the first two and a half years, and then we moved to this building. Okay. Kate mentioned that you've been in the business for 45 years. Yes. What were you doing before you opened this store? Same thing for other people. Okay. Yeah. Um, And what propelled you to go out on your own? Well, I guess I can be absolutely candid here. Oh, yeah. I worked for so many years for assholes. Yeah. And I I always (laughs) thought... I always thought that I could do a hell of a lot better by myself. Yeah. And so I finally had a chance to, and that's what I did. Have you gotten to stick it to any of those assholes? 
Well, I think the best revenge is by doing well. <laughs> Living well is the best revenge. Yes. That's fantastic. And uh, not an uncommon theme on this show. Actually, you know, you've got a lot of people who say, man, why are we doing it this way? I think I, I got a much better idea. I got a much better blueprint. And given how much I love shopping here, I think you've been proved correct. Well, that's very nice to hear. Yeah, uh, and it's great coming in. Matt and Kate, did you uh, did you always sort of have designs on going into this industry, or did uh, you sort of happen into it? Absolutely not. I think if you had told either one of us that we would be doing this for our life's work, I don't think that we would have. I think we would have laughed at you. Oh, really? Um, this was Dad's dream, and uh, over time, we've had an opportunity, and I think working as a family. Um, makes a big difference it's you know it's, it has its challenges but we're really lucky because we do get along that's good and also <laughs> the fact that you know it's become our passion as well oh that's good matt anything to add? yeah I'm, i uh, started down the path of um, an arts degree i went to high school and in college for music um, and thought i might be you know playing in new york or yeah. You know, making a living out of it somehow, and I still do have a great passion for that and still play. So this is happy that I was able to help from an early age. been here for you know about 15 years now. Just how much knowledge you absorb on a day-to-day basis and uh, how great, you know, I consider there's always things to learn, but uh, the knowledge uh, kind of seeps into you. Kate, what did you think you'd be doing? I don't know. I, I had another career for 18 years and lost a job, and Dad offered me a, a job here, and I really thought that I was going to be doing something different, but I I really do. I cherish the opportunity to work together with my family. It's just, it, it really is a dream. That's awesome. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit. You guys have talked about cultivating uh, a brand here where you're focused on, you know, craft spirits, craft beer. And one of the things that is so striking when you come in here, a lot of liquor stores you'll go into, and it's like cooler door after cooler door after cooler door of just Bud, Coors, Miller, Corona, Heineken. Here, all of that stuff is, is like in just two doors, right? Almost everything else is craft and hard to find international stuff and i I say that as as a craft beer fan in terms of the way that scene has exploded over the last many years do you get pressure from the macro brands to expand your footprint of what they sell all the time really like what what will they come in and do and what will they come in and say and how do they exert that pressure i think both you know a lot of the big companies now have uh, absorbed some of the smaller companies so uh, some of those big macro brands that you're talking about carry smaller craft. Right. They have it as part of their portfolio. In, in yeah. part, in efforts to, for their um, defer, you know, diversifying their portfolio. But really, they know the kind of store that we are, and they're not going to push too much. And we have to know how to push back. And, uh, and we, we really have a good answer for all of those, um, you know, that, those pressures because our customers are not looking for right. a, um, chances are, you know, um, of course we're going to sell them, but they're not exclusively. You know, they, they know that they expect a better selection when they come in here. 20 formats of a macro brand really doesn't just make sense for us. <laughs> and that's kind of how we know when someone's never been in our store before. Oh, funny. When they come up to the counter with, you know, a six-pack of one of those, right. you kind of know that they're either not from Colorado or they've never been in our store before. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, kind of the opposite question. How hard is it to keep up with, I mean, breweries and, you know, distillers are coming out with new stuff all the time. And is that tough to keep up with? <laughs> well, it's actually a real pain in the ass to keep up with. <laughs> really? Because people, especially beer people, they, they seem to want the newest stuff all the time. And once something isn't new anymore, they've lost interest in it. Huh. So we have to constantly be adapting and changing to meet the demand. I mean, that's... You described it. That's a that's a pain in the ass. You bet it is. <laughs> wow, I, I, I suppose I never thought of it from from that end as 
you know, as someone who probably fetishizes the new a little bit, I'm part of the pain in your ass. <laughs> it's, it's kind of exciting. As long as you buy it here, that's that's all we really care about. <laughs> right. Well, you can bet I'm buying it here more often than I'm not because it, it's funny. Um, I can tell you one thing I buy here with regularity, and I'm sure, you know, I, I have a friend who works for a distribution company, and he's like, and he said, I'll go into a liquor store, and there will be like one guy who wants a case of extra gold, like a month, so I'll unload one case on him. One thing I know I'm keeping you guys flush in is Dale's Tall Boys. Because I'm buying those pretty much every time I come in here, and I plan on walking out of here with two of them, a Dale's and a Mama's. But yeah, otherwise I'm kind of I'm kind of searching around for new stuff. If you're a craft brand and you're looking to get shelf space, what is the best way to get it on the shelves of a place like Grape Expectations? Taste us on it. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, how would you approach doing that? Would you set up an appointment? Would you just show up with some beers, like? We have them do it both ways. It's a little easier if they kind of make contact, introduce themselves, tell us what they have, and then come back. Um, We don't buy everything we taste, but Mm. that's when they come in and they make that contact. And especially for the craft spirits that have the passion behind what they're making and selling, it really does help. I think being in, in a craft spirit would be challenging because a lot of the stuff you have to age... So it's like, what are you doing that time when you're not being when you're not able to sell anything? Selling right? gin and vodka. Yeah, clear spirits because <laughs> your your brown spirits still need to age. But the the price of those uh, we've noticed is steadily climbing. So, in order to be competitive in that kind of field, you, you kind of have to have a product that sets itself apart and um, something you know that both good. We you know we try to taste everything, especially wine wise, before we bring it in beer. And, and spirits, we try to do that as well. Beer, we don't always have the opportunity to do that, but that's one of the things we pride ourselves in, in, in order to be able to hand sell it. You know, and our, our staff needs to taste everything as well. You know, wow. Yeah, we have to taste, and with wine, we probably taste fifty plus wines a week. Oh my gosh. Well, we have to do it. Well, sure, and, and it's really not a, not fun. But uh, does it become a grind? Like, oh, because yes. most people associate wine tasting with that's like a leisure activity for them, right? That's fun well, for them. It is, but for us, it's work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do they start to run together in your head? Yes, they do. Yeah, but are we approaching or are we at like peak craft? Is that even a concept? I think it's going to fall fall back after a while. Yeah, and it, it's going to be something else. By something else, what do you mean? Well, this business is rather faddish. There's only so much that we can. It's going to absorb with all these new breweries and the new distilleries and. Well, if you think about yeah. it, I mean, like Zima's being reintroduced. <laughs> so who, it's been. Who gone. was asking for that? Well, I'm not sure, but it's been you know. So I think we're going to see stuff like that, where. Older products will be re-released in, you know, under the new format because the the younger generation hasn't had that opportunity, and now they will. That, so that's a great euphemistic way of describing that they haven't had the opportunity yet to experience the disappointment of drinking Zima. <laughs> I mean, I, and I know you guys have a relationship with your distributors, so I'm not going to ask you to editorialize on that. This is my show, so I will. You, you can yeah. ask us anything you like. You know, uh, the radio comedian Fred Allen once said that television was the sincerest uh, form of imitation. And that's the the way it is in in this business, too. If if one product is even moderately successful, then there will be a dozen imitators. Right. And it's happening that way all the time. And beer... It's called cannibalization. We have to buy their mistakes as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I think about um, a brewery, and they talked about this publicly, a brewery like Black Shirt Brewing, which had uh, a brand for a long time, that, and they said this brand was very unsuccessful for us. Like, we weren't moving units. We weren't selling. It wasn't indicative of who we are, and they've rebranded now. And I don't know if they're doing better or not, but the, the packaging of the can sure looks a lot better. Um, I think it's become the newest thing again. So, yeah, you've got a fan base. Right. So you have the people who liked Black Shirt who now buy the new brand, and then you have it reintroduced with the new label. 
the, you know, the attractive packaging. And so, yes, it's become the new thing again. Right. You guys talked about uh, doing tastings for your staff. You also do tastings for the public. Right. Does that add a layer of complexity to your business or is that, uh, is that a good traffic driver? It's actually for our regulars, typically. I mean, I don't know how many new customers we generally see, but it's been a lot of fun because we get to expose the community to, you know, what we're selling. And so whether we're doing, you know, beer or cider or spirits or wine, it's just an opportunity for them to taste what we have on our shelf. Right. And we try to make it a learning experience for the customer, too, because... An educated customer is a better customer. Mm, interesting. Can you expand upon that a little bit more? Well, we might do a tasting of Sauvignon Blancs, for example, where we do four different ones from four different places and let people see the differences between them. So, Okay, so they, they understand more of the nuances of what is uh, entailed in a Sauvignon Blanc. Right. That's cool. I know one time I came in here and you were doing a tasting of kombucha. Yes. And that one that was awesome because I I didn't have a lot of experience with kombucha but getting to taste it and getting to talk with I think it was a former employee. Yes, yeah. And uh seeing him again that was really cool. But you're right, like as a regular, I don't know that I would have branched out and tried kombucha without like having the the brand that I trust that you all have established here. It's like, "Hey, we brought in this group and they're really good, so give it a shot. They're tasting in the back of the store." Well, another opportunity, I mean, we'll have, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't drink tequila. I got real sick in it, on it in, you know, college, so I don't drink it. Oh, it's their alcohol kryptonite? Right. And so when we have, yeah. you know, like a tequila producer here and they're able to actually taste what tequila tastes like and have, you know, it's it's a chance for them to kind of relearn yeah. what, what they can and cannot drink, I guess. Well, sure. And tequila is probably much different than what you were drinking in college. Right. Well, it's not mixed dough anymore. I mean, there still is that out there. But we, you know, this was happened to be 100%, you know, pure agave. So mm, Okay. Yeah, and I'm not a tequila drinker myself. So you said mixed dough, and I'm like, um... Mixed doughs are... Things that they add, added to. Jose Cuervo is only 51%. Agave, okay, instead of a hundred percent, because the laws in this country about tequila are actually much more lax than the laws in Mexico. Okay, you meant I want to expand upon something you said about uh, an educated consumer. Would you say the public is more educated now than they were when you opened this store in two thousand? Yeah, I think so. Our customer base is, for sure. Well, and, and probably in no small part to the, the culture that you've created here. Well, we try not to talk down to people. And I know that in a lot of wine shops, that's what happens. And we, <laughs> right. try, to, we try to make people not be afraid to ask questions and to not... I know a lot of people, they, they don't want to sound like they don't know. Right. And we try to reassure them that it's fine if they don't know sure. nobody's born knowing this stuff so right. and and you don't want to if someone says uh you know oh i really like this wine you don't want to go oh that sucks no we <laughs> and we don't they're buying it from they're buying wine from us but it gives us an opportunity if they're wanting to learn more about it or you know we get a lot well, I only drink sweet wine because I don't like anything else. Well, okay, we've got a lot of really good sweet wines. Let's let's show you some good opportunity, you know, options for you to buy. So, yeah, and here's here's a chance to branch off if you like a sweet wine. Here's one that's sweet, but also maybe a little tart, right? Yeah, it, at least more balanced for food pairing. Perhaps. Well, sure. If we have a chance to kind of explain, there's nothing wrong with sweet wines, but. Usually, they need to be balanced by acidity. Right. And people say, well, gee, what, what do you mean by that? And so that we try to show them and to explain to them. And it usually works out pretty well. Here's another interesting thing was that rosés are very popular right now. Yeah, they're kind of the rage. But in uh, just a few years ago, they were very, very hard to sell. Hmm. And people thought that all rosés were like white Zinfandel. <laughs> right. And uh, they just needed to, to be shown. 
and it was it was very hard to do but by god we did it and now we have we probably have one of the best rosé selections in town i mean for especially for a store this size yeah so you you bring up something interesting in that rosés are really hot right now mm-hmm. and what do you think is the next thing that is getting ready to pop? Like, what is on the verge of taking off? Either wine, spirits, or beer? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe uh, maybe a Cabernet Franc? <laughs> Some of those um, geekier varietals <laughs> that, um, you know, Gruner Veltliner is another one. <laughs> it's going to blow up. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> no, it's already kind of doing so, but some of those things that are smaller – Lesser known varietals, especially for wine, IPAs are still always big. Right, um, Goza is popping right now. That sea salt added style. Well, um, and it's starting to warm up, so people want something a little yeah. crisper, a little you know tart, a little bit sour, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, We're yeah. selling rum for spirits, really, a lot more than we used to. I mean, I think that it's just it's you know it kind of goes in waves, and you know, Dad can probably part of the, the tastings have been partially responsible for that because now a lot of people see how good these spirits can really be yeah well and i mean we're not in our house like a like big liqueur drinkers but you guys did a tasting here once with dancing pines and they do like a chai liqueur and like a black walnut and it's all so good black walnut is very very good isn't it (laughs) it's insane and the chai if you mix it with a little bourbon is just the best thing to drink in in the winter. It's spectacular, and I learned about it here. What uh, what would you guys say is um, something in the shop? Because I know you guys taste everything, and you've got a huge selection here. Is there something that that you all like that you have a taste for that you think is a little underloved, a little underappreciated? I think, like Matt was talking about, some of the geekier um, wine varietals for sure are things that we. Um, we gravitate towards, for instance, Dad really likes petite Syrahs because he likes the way that they pair with hamburgers. Oh, good. Okay. Um, and you know, they cut the grease. They cut yeah, the grease. Yeah. Gruner in the in the warmer months uh, with your picnic is just perfect because it's okay. got a little fruit to it, but it's still dry enough, and it's just so. There are some fun things that you know we'll perhaps gravitate towards, but no, we taste it all whether. It's something that we would buy for our house or not. It's not right. really about what we like. It's about what would sell and what would work oh, for yeah. the store. So okay. we're constantly predicting the future <laughs> every time we order. So yeah, um, we're glad that some of it sticks. Um, what happens when you guys like place an order for something that you think, okay, this is going to be really good. This is going to sell, and then it just sort of goes splat with the public. What what happens then? Well, that's what. Uh, bargain bins and sales are for them. If we make a mistake, and we do make mistakes all the time, we just have to kind of reduce the prices. We we got really excited, for instance, on a uh, horseradish vodka that you'll notice now on our sale rack, and it's <laughs> fantastic in Bloody Marys. Okay, but yeah, I can see that. to hand-sell horseradish vodka is a touch difficult. So, um, even you, with the geeks that come in, right? right I mean, that's, right, that's yeah. still a bit of a walk uphill. Yes. Yeah. Just a little bit. So for instance, there's a product like that. And in the past we've had salmon vodka also <laughs> falling into that category. So that went well for uh, white elephant gifts. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that untapped white elephant market. Right. 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 <laughs> that only happens once a year, but yes, <laughs> I was, uh, it was not here, but I was in line. It was before I lived over here. I saw someone in line buying cotton candy vodka. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that looks like a pure hangover in a bottle. And I, I could not fathom wanting to drink that, but I don't think I'm the target market for something like that. No, I think you're a little too old and perhaps. Too yeah, male? <laughs> yeah, maybe the wrong gender. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, you never know. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I love a good crisp rosé, so, but rosés are in right now, so whatever. Oh, no, rosés have always been around. and There's uh, nothing feminine about them, actually. A, they, they are an essential I, component I, <laughs> of Mediterranean diets, which are very popular right I'll now. I'll give you that. But I would say, you know, a lot of times if you're out with your buddies and you order a rosé, 
you may get a little grief about that. Maybe not now, but in the past, if you ordered a rosé. We have a sign right up front that says, yes, you can be a badass and still drink rosé. Awesome. I'm going to get a shot of that for the, for the companion <laughs> blog piece. <laughs> Do you all have alcohol kryptonite? Is there something that you just go, nope, not for me, not doing it? Well, there's a lot of things that I don't like, but I can't I can't force my... What's the one alcohol on... you won't drink anymore because if you smell it, you get sick? Oh, that's Southern Comfort. Oh, my God, mine too. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I cannot... Do, I can't... It's... Southern Comfort reminds me of worshiping the porcelain god after the college mixer. <laughs> it. Me too. <laughs> uh, I, I've thrown up... Southern Comfort more times than I can count. And now I smell it, and I immediately am transported back to that place. Because that smell is so distinguished. Yeah, it's funny how smells can can be a really quick shortcut to a memory. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I cannot... Well, I I can believe that you said Southern Comfort, but I I am so happy that you said it, because that's mine, too. I can't do it at all. Even if it's mixed with something. If it's in there, I'll find it. Southern Comfort is bourbon and apricot brandy really or peach brandy or something oh god well whatever the case we may need to change the subject what about the two of you um i don't have anything like that but there's some things that you know obviously don't come home with me it's all right (laughs) yeah of course maybe like the jägermeister uh, even though it's a nice bitter Still has a, a some memories, some bad memories associated with it. I think you know. I used to love Jaeger. How do you feel about Fancy Jaeger, aka Fernet? Oh yeah, we we love those. Everything in moderation, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a nice thing to keep in your bar, um, and and a little bit it goes a long way. But but something like Fernet is a, a much higher quality product. Right, and I'm sure they're thrilled that I called it Fancy Jaeger. <laughs> I'm sure they're just thrilled to pieces about that. There's a, a lot of nice bitters and amaros around that didn't used to be, and a lot of fancy vermouths. We uh, we sell a lot of them. And we saw one guy come in one time. We had the, all these little bitters, little tiny jars of, or bottles of bitters, and yeah. some guy came in once and bought $100 worth of them. Wow. Yeah. So It's a hell of a trip. Yes. Okay, so we've talked about kryptonite. What are you guys going home with? Because, I mean, you're tasting so much all the time. Some of it has got to make its way home. What, what are your preferred things? What are you going home with at the end of a night? I buy a fair amount of rosés right now. And uh, gin and bourbon or rye, for me, yeah. uh, goes goes home frequently. Um, but, yeah, tequila probably this week because we're coming up on uh, Cinco de Mayo so there you go I got reintroduced to my love of gin thanks to Hendrix because Hendrix took gin in a slightly different direction at least as far as I was concerned and from there I've just I've been back on the gin train so I'm with you on that one we have so many different kinds of gin right now it's it's incredible yeah gin's fun what's going home with you John I like brown spirits. I like scotch and bourbon. I mostly drink wine, though. Okay. And I don't. I don't drink beer. So. What about you, Matt? Um, usually a um, Mexican style or other style lager. Well, you got uh, the Cabotea shirt on. Yeah. Well, right. The lesser known uh, Baja microbrewery that has since. Uh, not uh, not Got carried it. in Colorado anyway. Oh, really? No. It was founded by Colorado guys because I went down to Cabo and went to their brew pub. Yeah. Uh, and found it really good down there. Yeah, I mean, um, and those style lagers to me, um, both my wife and I can, um, you know, put back a few. <laughs> <laughs> also with tequila, you know, we uh, do kind of uh, you know, fantasize about living south of the border, you know, kind of with what we're drinking. But uh, I also enjoy... Uh, Gin and, and scotch out of the whiskeys is yeah. has to be uh, my preferred. Now we can't we can't buy anything that doesn't come into Colorado. So you know, a lot of times people say, "Well, gee, I was in Mexico or or wherever, and I had this, and can you get some?" Right. And when if I say no, they can't understand that. Can you do a little education on why that is? Well, yes. What we have in Colorado is called a three-tier system. Right. Okay. 
So there's suppliers, wholesalers, and retailers. Mm-hmm. Now, as a retailer, I can only sell to the general public, and I can only buy things from wholesalers. Okay. And a wholesaler can only buy things from suppliers, and they can only sell to people that have liquor licenses. That's how it's how it's regulated, and that was one of the things with all these grocery store bills because they wanted to kind of overturn that system. Okay. So they're they're almost trying to circumvent the three tier system. Yes. Okay. So if someone comes in and is like, "Hey, why don't you guys carry you know zombie dust from uh, Three Floyds Brewing outside of Chicago?" It's because they don't have a deal with a wholesaler in Colorado, right? Well, it's because no wholesaler has brought it in, or maybe the maybe that particular supplier doesn't make enough to okay. have stuff to cover Colorado. Yingling is a good example. Uh, yeah, we always, wish we had Yingling, but we can't get it. They they they've made a business decision that they won't come this far. Huh. And so you'll see it here for the Great American Beer Fest, but beyond that, it's not something that carried. Bells is another great example. Yeah. People loving that one and calling us for that, and that they've made a, a deal with a distributor here in Colorado that they. We'll have it here on a limited basis and kind of around the times of beer fests and things, you know, so, but it's just one of the choices that they've made, so. Interesting. Okay, uh, another issue I wanted to ask you guys about was um, in terms of, like, checking IDs, you know, like, how how do you uh, train employees to, like, spot a fake ID, or with a with a store like this, do you get a lot of people trying to... You know, buy booze underage or anything like that? We get a few, but not anywhere near as many as I would get when I worked up north. And we're not, the fake IDs isn't so much an issue, it's the underage ID. Okay. So if they hand you a, a vertical ID, right. it's an automatic flag that we can't sell to them. We also, if we pull, if we ask their, for their ID and it's expired... We're not supposed to we, sell it to Yeah, we don't okay. sell it to them. The, the lucky thing about us, though, is that I would say easily 90% of our customer base are people we know. Yeah, that you see all the time, right? Right. What we are required to go through in order to do tastings is a program called uh, TIPS, um, server training. Okay. Uh, in case, In our case, we do it for off-premise as opposed to on-premise. We're not behind the bar, but, you know... Over-serving and, and those watching out for those indicators are uh, is definitely part of our job, too. Sure. Well, I mean, speaking of that, do you ever have a situation where you have someone who comes in? And when I say frequently, I mean, like, you guys see me all the time, right? I'm in here a lot. But do you ever see someone come in who you're like, ooh, they might have a problem. Like, you know, they, they, they might have an actual, like, alcoholic issue. And, you know, how do you handle that? How do you address that? Is that in your purview? It's not something that we should, I guess, take notice with, but we've had situations. It's, it's hard to do, especially to uh, a good regular customer. But the law says that we can't serve anyone who is noticeably intoxicated okay. or a known drunk. <laughs> now, I'm not sure exactly how you define a known drunk, Yeah, but it, it's, it's hard to say. No, but we have to say it. We try to do it in the most diplomatic way we can. Sure. And say, I'm sorry, sir, I think you've had a little too much. Why don't you come back tomorrow and we'll be happy to serve you. Okay. Um, do people ever get confrontational about that? Like, no, I'm fine. I'm doing well, sure okay. they do. <laughs> is that, I mean, is that one of the more uncomfortable parts of your business? Well, it doesn't happen very often. In, in that same regard, do you guys ever deal with, like, crime or, you know, people trying to do holdups or anything like that? We've had some shoplifting. Okay. We had our store broken into once. We've never been held up. Oh, that's good. But I think that's because, A, we don't stay open real late. Right. B, most of our sales now are, are credit cards, and we don't even have that much cash anymore. <laughs> right. Wouldn't even be worth it. And we know, well, they, yeah, but they're so stupid that they don't know the difference anyway. <laughs> and we know a good portion of our customer base. So, yeah. so okay, uh, we're we're approaching sort of the end here. A, co- a couple more things I'm curious about. 
One is living in Park Hill. There's a lot of noise and a lot of chatter about growth and new establishments in Park Hill. And I'm thinking specifically about a place that was going to go in across the street. It was going to be Bardenay, right? And eventually they decided they were going to pull out. How do you guys feel about the growth of Park Hill or the tenor of the community in general? Well, now, when I started the store back in 99, it was much different in Park Hill. The church groups were a lot stronger than they are now and most of the most of the people in the church groups thought of all liquor stores as uh, joints along Colfax shot shot and beer kind of places right and so we had to kind of convince them that we were not going to be the same and I think that I think that we've been very successful in that now as far as Bardenay was concerned I think that the, I think that that would have been a very bad fit for the neighborhood because hmm. it's hard to get a parking place now, and you add a 250 seat restaurant. What's it going to be like then? You know, right? So I don't know what's going to happen to that space. It's huge. It's like a an airship hangar. <laughs> wow! Oh no, really? It's, really? it's eleven thousand square feet. J- okay. And you can't tell from looking at it. You'd from never the street. know. No, you'd never know. But it used to be a movie theater. Right. So it's like a great big barn. It probably needs to be divided into four parts or something. (laughs) Okay. Being on this block, given that you guys have have been here for as long as you have, is there something you'd like to see go in there? I don't know. This block has really changed quite a bit. Uh, When I first started on this block, there were 20 black-owned or operated businesses. And Hmm. now there's only one. Oh, wow. I think a children's theater, I think something that was more community-directed and involved, I think, would be good. You know, we have so many, you know, families with young kids. So I think that something that brings that uh, to the block would be good. I mean, Wands and Wishes down the street has has kind of added that, but they're on such a small scale. So, and Dardano's, obviously, with all the parties and the, uh, you know, kids gym sure. gymnastics and stuff i really do think and art garage is is hugely successful with their um programs for the kids but i do think that something where families are encouraged to be um i mean that's kind of what's made this community you've got you know spinelli's market was family owned and operated yeah. still is today dardano's different family though us, you okay. know, Oblios. I mean, I think Oblios is great, and yeah, I mean they're they're doing like a like a kids' night on Tuesdays, and so it's a zoo over there. But I mean, they're doing great work. So. Right, and I think so. Th- having you know businesses that are kind of doing that. Kate Crumbs, family owned and operated, obviously, oh, yeah, terrific. and CSU people. I just like to note because <laughs> that's me. Um, Cherry Tomato, uh, you know, was was kind of in that realm too so it's just nice and i think that that's what we need because we do have so many families with young kids i think a, a brewery might be a good fit too there as long as <laughs> you can keep kind of the the noise at night level down well there is one up at 28th and fairfax there's a brewery oh yeah uh it's going in yeah in, yeah. in the old uh ice uh gelato shop mm-hmm yeah, I heard about that. That whole block's getting redeveloped, and that's even closer to my house. So. Right, and Oneida is going to be redeveloped. So I think that there's wow. going to be some big changes in Park Hill. And, and uh, I mean, growth is good, and the, this neighborhood has changed a lot in the last 18 years for us. And uh, we've gotten to see families grow up and move out and move away, but it's it really is a good change. Yeah, everybody knows each other here in Park Hill. We uh, affectionately call it Mayberry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I like that. Okay, well, what's next for Grape Expectations? I mean, where do, where do you guys go from here? Because you've been so successful for 18 years. Does it kind of stay the course, or do you have designs on expansion? How, how do you see Grape Expectations going from here? Well, it would be nice uh, at some point, maybe now that we can, to get another store and spread our, our philosophies over to maybe some other neighborhoods or some other stores. Uh, but that's that's way down the road. We uh, know that that requires a lot of capital, but we, uh, we're we real happy to maintain our focus here and, and keep on doing what we're doing. Cool. I'm not sure that I have the energy anymore to start a new business. So you're good? I think I'm good. I'm almost 70, so 
it may be time for me to slow down a bit, but Katie and Matthew have a lot of energy. I think what we'll do is probably, you know, Matt and I will take over. Um, we have the uh, probably this year we'll do a big party for Dad uh, in honor of a birthday and and uh, get the community out and and see people and you know, but yeah, stay tuned. That sounds fantastic. Well, I will be there if you have that. And uh, okay, now's the time in the show when we do plugs. So. Uh, Tell us where we can find Grape Expectations in the real world and online. And anything you want to plug right now, please do. All right. We're Facebook and Twitter. Um, so follow us, GrapeX, um, for Twitter. So that's like Grape E-X, right? Yes. Got it. And we are in the process of redesigning our website, but we can be on GrapeExpectationsDenver.com. And our physical address is 2270 Kearney Street, Denver, 80207. Fantastic. Yeah, that's four blocks west of Monaco off of 23rd. Also, email address is info at grapeexpectationsdenver.com for any special order inquiries or just to touch base with us. You can also reach us on the phone, which we tend to prefer, 303-320-7783. The phone, I've heard of that. (laughs) Very few people use it for calling anymore. (laughs) But uh, that thing in your pocket does make calls, believe it or not. So uh, I'll tell you what, guys. This was a real pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. And I wish you nothing but continued success because I love shopping here. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, John. All right. Fill my cup. Put some liquor in it. Take a sip. Sign the check. This episode is over. Episode 135 is Grape Expectations. John, Matt, and Kate King. Thank you for taking some time and dropping some knowledge here about the liquor industry. What it's like to own a liquor store. The perils, the challenges, the things that are unexpected, the pain in the ass that is craft beer nerds. This is all terrifically insightful. You have great customer service. You have excellent selection. And uh, you know what? I'm probably heading over there as soon as I get done recording this. What can I say? Uh, I got a Dale's tall boy calling my name, and I know I'm keeping you guys flush with it. So check out the John of All Trades companion blog piece, johnofalltrades.us. We're also on the social media, Pod. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest. It's great ways to keep up with all the goofiness of the John of All Trades podcast. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. If you're doing anything on the web, whether it's building a website, reaching out to people, or doing some advertising, 4Degrees will put together a campaign and a package that works for you at a price that's very attractive. They've been with us since the beginning, and they do exceptional work. It's a pleasure to get to feature them. Four Degrees, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Deft is on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I'm back here next week with a brand new episode, so be sure to tune in then. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.